When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. It's a Labor Day weekend edition of the Winning Plays Podcast. My name is Brian Robb, joined by frequent guest hosts Ryan Berendoni. And Ryan, we have, I believe this is the fourth trade of the Celtics offseason, I believe. Um, coming in a couple weeks before training camp starts, Chris Dunn, his long tenure in Boston comes to a a dramatic halt as he and Carson Edwards are dealt to the Memphis Grizzlies and give them, I think the Grizzlies probably like 25 guys on their roster right now uh, in exchange for Juan Herman Gomez, uh, who mostly generally played in Minnesota, but was dealt away to Memphis this offseason. Um, just initial impressions here uh, on a move that honestly feels like it just makes a lot of sense for the current depth chart. Yeah, as is tradition when the Celtics pass on Chris Dunn, there's an arena full of people booing, uh, but it will turn out well in the end. And um, yeah, right. Like it's a move that just sort of makes sense. Um, they had too many guards and not enough forwards. And so they traded a guard for, for a forward. Um, and I think if you look at it in the, the sort of bigger, I mean, it's a pretty small picture still, but right. Like it's basically that they traded Tristan Thompson, you know, to get Wancho and in the process got, uh, you know, one extra fourth center and moved out Carson Edwards, uh, the center being being Bruno Fernando, obviously. Um, and I think that's good business, right? Like they they went through this period where they're like, hey, we got this extra guard and Chris Dunn, when he was healthy, he was interesting and uh, maybe he'll do something. And then when when they you know made the move for, for Schroeder, there just wasn't a spot left for no. him. Um, so it all just, yeah, I mean, it kind of makes sense. I, I think there's still light in terms of like talent at the power forward position, but at least now they have some of them, uh, you know, maybe this is opens up the clearer path for Jabari Parker to make the team as well. And you get this sort of Parker, Hernan Gomez, Grant Williams, like one guy can defend, but not do a whole <laughs> just lot. Just combine those guys. Guy what if you... score. Yeah. Like you, one guy can shoot the, but not really like do a lot. Parker can sort of score, but like not efficiently, like, you know, so you've got some, some Obvious. guys you could deploy in different ways. None of them are, are particularly good. But, uh, it, you know, you got, we thought coming into the season, the offseason, that would be difficult. They'd have to pay to get off Tristan Thompson and, um, and to get off Carson Edwards. And in the end, basically, they're just like overpaying Hernan Gomez by a few right. million dollars. And, and that's the, the whole cost of it, which is just money. Like, who cares? Right. And, so, they, and they got a second round pick out of it, too, which I mean, which is. Whatever, yeah, they gave up a but... pick swap, a second round pick swap. Yeah, one, I think. So basically nothing. Right. Um, and they picked up one, one earlier. So in total, like, I think that's better than, than we would have expected uh, in terms of clearing some of the, the roster log jam and some of the players who we thought maybe were ready to move on from. Right. So I don't really, do you have an opinion on him as a player? Like I haven't, I, I can't say that I've watched that. I watched a ton of, <laughs> you were watching a lot year. of Minnesota last year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's an, I, I sort of know what his type of player is and I've certainly seen him play when he was in Denver and things like that. And I know there were, it, it looked at the beginning, like he, uh, you know, nobody was ever thinking he was going to be an all-star or anything, but that he was an interesting player. There was a reason he signed for 
$7 million a year. It's not, he's, he's not a stiff, uh, but I didn't see much of him last year. He, he always seems sort of like on the verge. Like he's not quite good enough of a shooter. He's not really a particularly good defender. He's a decent rebounder, things like that. But you know, there's like an interesting ish player there, but I don't know. Do you have any, is he, yeah, I mean, we're in your ranking. Yeah, I probably saw him the most early when he was playing in Denver for those first few years. And yeah, like to your point, like his best season was his rookie year when he shot 40% from three on two attempts per game. So I think I think where he differentiates himself from like Grant in terms of, you know, the the, the stretch four type is like he's like, a, I think, more of a pure gunner. Like that's what he does is he takes three. He doesn't know particularly well, but he's not going to hesitate. And he doesn't need to be like wide, wide open to take him as opposed to grant which we know you know his three-point shooting was great was probably the best part of his game last year but then other parts of his game were not nearly as good but you know grant's getting the the super wide open looks and hernan gomez your you know maybe teams will be a little less hesitant to to cheat way off him because he's going to be happy to fire i do like it's a decent rebounding for a size he's actually a really low turnover player which i think is kind of intriguing and again makes him maybe a little bit more useful but yeah like i mean defensively there's not much there and but yeah but as far as just another not a reclamation project but a, a buy low guy that you know is clearly going to help you more this year and the depth chart than a, than a chris dunwood like yeah because if he beats out Grant Williams for minutes and jabari for minutes then yeah like that's gonna be more useful than chris dunn sitting at the end of the bench yeah there's also just as opposed to grant williams he's six nine right? right which is helpful in, in certain matchups and jabari is as well but like i think we know if you're deploying Jabari because he's six nine and because you need him to defend somebody else who's six nine, like you're, <laughs> we saw it last year even in the playoffs, right? There were, right. were like you're going to go guard Kevin Durant, um, and you don't want want Hernan Gomez in that in that position either. But if you had to choose, you know which one? Where where would you go? And there's a little bit of not to fall into like the these guys are both white guy archetypes, but you know, maybe there's a little Jonas Jerebko sort of, he finds Ooh, something here yes. and you can play him a little bit at center maybe. Um, and he just, the shooting itself, you can come up with it. And obviously having a different coach, you're not expecting him to be deployed in the same way, but if Brad were still the head coach, you might sort of think like, ah, maybe you can get a little bit of the same kind of utilization out of him where some nights he's helpful and, and other nights he's not the other sort of in that idea of the trade down from Tristan Thompson here. The other thing that's, in some ways good is like he doesn't have the name recognition of Tristan Thompson. And so, you know, the, with a first time head coach, like there won't be like an obligation almost to play him. Um, And so it makes it easier to do the sort of platooning stuff of like picking your matchups or having games where he just gets a DMP where that's in some, what, for whatever reason, harder to do with like top five pick and NBA champion, Tristan Thompson. It's like, nope, actually it's the guy we traded for Chris Dunn. And if you don't want to play him, you don't have to, um, which is helpful probably uh, in, in sort of managing the season. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. And second of all, you never have to apologize for Jonas Repko talk on this podcast. So like, that's again, but I do think that, it, but right. So like, but it is, it's like, if you can get, you know, that's like a best case scenario. I feel like for this guy in terms of, yeah, the guy who can come in and, hit threes at a high rate and give you some random energy here and there and rebound a little bit, like, and be your, you know, ninth or 10th guy. Like that's, that's great. It's probably, I mean, we can talk about this a little later more, but like, you know, he's, it's probably not going to keep him on the team beyond this upcoming season. Um, unless it's at a discount price since his, his salary is not guaranteed um, for the 22, 23, 23 season at 7.5 million. And it's just 
unlikely he gets the the minutes here barring injuries to to even prove he's worth that kind of money but from a fit fan standpoint on the roster like yeah this is like you said it's not a great talent but it's a, clearly f- fills a need at that position with some size and and with there just being no path to Chris Dunn playing even with injuries because with you know when Schroeder signed and if you want to develop Pritchard and you want to develop Romeo Langford there's there's literally no way for Chris Dunn to to get decent minutes to see if even if he does have something left there then this I think this is a, a very much smarter allocation of resources on that standpoint yeah if you were looking for some you know a place to criticize the offseason so far I think the you know aside from like they didn't get Bradley Beal or whatever <laughs> kind of crazy thing like that but the real thing that you would look at is you say well while you may think that Josh Richardson is a fair value and a, a worthwhile to uh, player to pick up and that you think Dennis Schroeder at that price is worthwhile to pick up. They are signing guys who are, you know, at the same position as your last three first round draft picks where it's like Neesmith and Romeo and Pritchard all need to be playing in basically the same role that they're going to be playing the sort of one, two uh, Neesmith a little bit different, obviously, but they are sort of blocking the guys that you have there and, and done were he ever to play, you would just, at, as soon as he took the court, you'd be like, why isn't Romeo Langford playing instead? Uh, and, and that's, you know, there's a reason that he came in and nobody ever really thought he was going to actually make the team, particularly after they, they went out and got Schroeder. So um, that's, it's all good and, and it makes sense. And uh, I think that everything about the offseason to this point has been that sort of, right, there hasn't, I don't think there's been a moment where we're like, great, that's a great move that they pulled off. And this is like totally changing the team, but it's been a whole bunch of just like good, solid, we're getting the nuts and bolts right on what we're doing right now. And we're putting the team in a better position than they were uh, you know, a week ago or a, a month ago, or I'm not going to say a year ago, but um, just sort of shifting things in, into a more positive uh, direction. I think that this continues on with that. And, and yeah, like you said, he's, it's not going to be a long-term commitment here. Um, I mean, it's not like impossible that he doesn't earn 7 million a year next year. Right. If he, I, I guess there's some path to that, but it seems highly unlikely. So likely, you know, the likely thing is that he'll be either traded on along the way somewhere or, uh, he'll be waived and, and that'll, will clear the, the non-guaranteed contract. Uh, although as I'm saying this, I'm wondering if he's extension eligible and mm-hmm. <laughs> in the summer of the summer of the, I'm, not, I'm thinking that this one's not going to end up in an extension. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, but that's fine. Like they, he gets, he's a little overpaid now. The guys who they were trading out, like we said, were, you know, Tristan Thompson and then done like those guys were making more than these anyway. And for the position they're in, it's all just ownership money, which is good. In my opinion, it's like, Oh, they aren't trying to just dump salary here. Like they're they added salary full money and staying 300,000 a little bit more. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and they are over the, the luxury tax now. And they're not just trying to like dump his salary on Oklahoma city or something. So I think there's a lot of positives in there. Um, even if they're all sort of ancillary things and around the edges of the team, it's, it's not some huge thing, but still it's, it's good to get the little things right too. So, I mean, and now we're just we're going to have a really intense training camp battle between Grant Williams, Jabari Parker, and, and Hernan Gomez for those reserve power forward 10 minutes a game. Or is Aaron Neesmith? Yeah. yeah, I in mean, the position, there are a couple of places where it's like not clear who's going to be in the rotation and that it actually like matters to the players who are in those spots for their future prospects as NBA players, whether or not they're going to like win these early battles to get to get minutes and obviously things can change during the season, but I, like we say that sort of jokingly, but it also legitimately that's a positional battle that kind of matters. And the shooting guard uh, sort of uh, 
hybrid point guard, shooting guard, who's going to get those backup minutes. Like that's going to matter a lot to Romeo Langford if he gets those minutes or not. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. So let's talk through the, so this, this trade gets them down to 15 roster players. So they don't have to, and Jabari Parker is still on a non-guaranteed deal. So, you know, he probably feels a little bit better about making the team now, but um, they could still kind of and just go 14 guys if they wanted. Um, if, you know, he has, doesn't have a good camp or they just, you know, want to cut some tax money early here. Um, but yeah. So, I mean, as far as safe guys in the rotation for right now, you have, you know, smart, Truder, Richardson, Tatum Brown, obviously at the wing, Rob Williams, Horford. So I feel like seven is pretty safe there. And then after that, you have kind of a hodgepodge of, you know, you have Pritchard. I feel like she probably should be pretty safely. And I think based off of last season, but then you have, you know, Langford, Neesmith, Hernan Gomez, Grant Williams, um, dare I say Cantor, um, some nights. Um, so yeah, like you're not going to be able to play 11 or 12 guys every night. So like you said, there's like, I think it'll be interesting to me to see how, if they just are committed to going super small a lot and like, you know, even having Neesmith play some, whatever, like four in some of those like small ball bench lineups around Tatum, or I guess you can call whoever you want the four, but pretty much going, you know, small looks at both forwards there. Or if, um, you know, Hernan Gomez or Grant Williams, like, play well enough to like actually be in the rotation on a, on a nightly basis. I mean, I think there will be certainly minutes where it's uh, a center Tatum or even Brown, you know, one of the Jays and Neesmith as, as your front court. And that's not, I mean, modern NBA stuff. Like that's not, yeah, that's like pretty standard. Right? That's, that's, right. that's fine. Um, you can certainly get away with that. And, you know, it's harder to name the guys who are definitely out of the rotation than in, which is, you know, that's always going to be the case, obviously, when you're playing 10 out of 15 or, or something along those lines. I have some, and maybe this is sort of my my own personal bias towards <laughs> types of players or whatever. Like, I'm not 100% sure that Schroeder's position is, like, really safe. Um, although I think it would become less safe via maybe he gets traded or something like that. And he'll start the season, certainly, in, in the rotation. Um, but, like, I mean, I talked about this last year, and we just talked about it with Tristan Thompson. Like, it, I think that he the team has no long-term commitment to him. And like, there's no. nothing that says that Dennis Schroeder has to play over Peyton Pritchard. Uh, if he doesn't play well, then you, you sort of fear that it's like, he'll continue to get minutes no matter what, because he's Dennis Schroeder. But like, there's also a reason that he was available for a one-year contract on, you know, on the, the mini mid level. It's because he wasn't all that good last year. And there have been time, other times in his career, it wasn't, wasn't all that good. And so I do think that there's like actually some amount of like, prove it for him as well. And it's not like he can mope. Cause if you're, if you got this contract after this year, there people will say like, well, if he doesn't play, he'll undermine the team in some way, but it's like, they could release him if they really, if it really came to it. And like, if this is the contract he signed this off season, what do you think he would get next off season if he couldn't even get through a year on that? So like, I think there's some pressure on him to like perform, earn his next contract and be a good sort of part of the team and everything. And, and there might be times when he isn't as clearly in the rotation um, depending on, you know, like just straight up how well he's playing. So, um, and, and that largely comes from the fact that even with Dunn gone, like there just are a lot of guards and in there's guards who they have a greater investment in than in, than in Schroeder. So um, I'm not, yeah, like I said, I'm just not a hundred percent certain that it's like he will be in the rotation all the way through the season. Although I, I do think it'd be more likely that he plays early, puts up some amount of stats, but they're kind of empty ish and they, find a way to move on from him in, you know, mid season. 
Uh, but we'll see. Maybe he'll play great. Maybe he'll draw a lot of fouls and be exactly what they need and, and play a lot. But I'm not locked in on that one as much as some of the other guys. Yeah. I mean, I think I, you only feel confident about that. You're like at the beginning of the season, like he's going to get the opportunity in the rotation at the start of the season. But like you said, that should not be guaranteed beyond, you know, what, 10, 20 games. If, if other guys are just playing better than him or if he's just playing poorly and they're, or the team is just not doing anything, and like you said, he's not part of the long-term plan. So what are, what are they wasting minutes away on him? It's even possible that, that he plays relatively well and just isn't the right fit. That's the other thing. Right. Well, then you can sell him in that spot. <laughs> and that's exactly what I'm getting at. It's like, even if he plays like you sort of expect the level of Dennis Schroeder to play and that he is putting up some points and all that, but it's like just the fact that he's not really a shooter constricts the team in a way that it's hurting other players and that you're just better off. Like the team just simply performs better when you have Peyton Pritchard on the floor, even if you don't think he's as good of a player, uh, you may end up in a situation like that where it's like, and that's sort of what I'm getting at more that it's, there was almost a thought that he was like the third player on the Lakers last year. Um, and that that's not his role on this team. It needs to be that it makes the whole better than the sum of the parts and, and not that it's like Dennis Schroeder gets 14 points a night. Cause that isn't necessarily what they're going to need. Um, and again, I think that's the only real criticism of, of the off season is that like, you do have this thing where like, you got all these guys for good value, but we're not exactly sure if they're all going to fit together all that well. And I would still have made all the moves that they made pretty much. But um, I just, I think that's the sort of open question of like, does it, does putting Dennis Schroeder and Josh Richardson in a backcourt together actually function? And it may turn out that even if they're both back to being healthy and, and playing well and good NBA players, that it doesn't really work all that well, but, but we'll see. And you have the same thing that some of the same in the front court where we were talking about before, like even if who's the best fit out of, the three power forwards, I think that might be Hernan Gomez's best argument. It's like, we need somebody with our other wings who can stand in the corner and make threes. And then also on the other end, sort of pretend to defend some forwards. And like, he may be the best player for that. Even if you think maybe Grant Williams is a better player. Um, it's just, he's a, because he's so small, he can be a tougher fit at times. All right. This edition of the winning plays podcast is brought to you by our new sponsor, betus.com. Football is back, and it's really time to get on the action, guys. And we here at Winning Plays endorse one sports book, and that is BetUS.com. Why do you ask? It's America's favorite sports book for over 25 years now at BetUS. You need a sports book of integrity and longevity, and you need to know you're going to get paid. And BetUS offers pretty much everything in live betting, MMA, golf, horses, esports, and any kind of crazy bets you can think of. Nobody in the industry gives bigger bonuses than BetUS either. If you join right now at BetUS.com, you can get up to 200% in bonuses on your first deposit. No one's going to beat that. We here are winning plays. Bet at BetUS.com and so should you. Again, check them out at JoinBetUS.com today and start betting with America's favorite sportsbook. That's BetUS.com, where the game begins. And now back to the show. So I also haven't, I don't think we've talked since the Josh Richardson extension in general, which, and you just said, you know, you, you wouldn't have anything against, you know, you'd do pretty much everything they did there. I thought that was a, you know, not a, not a, a shocking move, but I guess, do you see that as the move of uh, motivated more of, you know, getting, you know, liking a guy at a price that, you know, makes sense and assuming that he will have a bit of a bounce back here or just to have, again, another another guy you will be able to trade um, pretty easily from a 
matching salary matching purposes um that could be useful to you know a variety of teams um you know down the line and not have to worry about him just being an expired contract yeah i mean it certainly could be either of those things it doesn't have to be one or the other it can it can be both the other one that has been posited is that like maybe he had been promised this when he opted in to get traded right maybe he was going to get sure. free agency and thought he could get two or three years and they said well we'll give you another year if you opt in and um but they would only do that if they thought he was a good value at that at that number otherwise obviously they just would have passed to begin with so those again those two things are not like exclusive mutually exclusive things they, they sort of work together and you don't think he'd be a tradable contract if you didn't think he was worth that either right you might think that he'd be somebody who could like throw in but you'd have to if you think it's a negative asset at that number then it's not a great trade piece either so i think that it all starts with that they believe that he's making about the right amount of money for for the player that he is and i think that that's fair i think it's a little bit much primarily because he's like the problem with with Josh Richardson is that he's not an efficient scorer, right? He likes to he likes to create shots and get those shots up, but like he's just sort of that type of player who has the fifty three percent true shooting, and like it's not it's not great. Um, but a lot of times, you the player you get for that is more like sort of pre Utah Jordan Clarkson is right, the one that everybody goes to, where your the defense also isn't any good, um, and it's really just that sort of empty calories for empty calories. And, and Richardson, I think because of his defense, it's, it's a fine number. Um, but you know, if you're grading things, it's sort of a, right. It's a C, right. You're then, you're not getting some big value out of this. It's not like some, some great thing that, that you can see happening there, but it's, it's fine. And if they think that he's worth that money, then I don't have a problem with it. And part of that is that, I mean, we've talked about this many times. Uh, I've always been on the, this sort of idea that like going for cap space was a, wasn't really viable anyway. And so uh, when it happened, there were some people I think were like, oh, this is this really kills the cap space dream. Like we could have traded Marcus Smart, we could have traded Robert Williams, but now you have three of these and you're like way over the cap in the future. And it's like they were going to be over the cap anyway. Um, so it it's reasonable and, and okay. Uh, but I, I mean, I would guess that he's, in my estimation, he's probably like an eight or nine million dollar player and they're going to be paying him 10 or 11. Like it's, but what are you talking about there? Like it's not that big a deal. Right. I think that's... And it's worth like controlling assets too. I mean, just again, like they can't, yeah, they can't afford to have anyone walk away for nothing. And you know, no matter what, like, and and so having that control just based on the last few how last few years have gone and in the talent drain, I think that's you know just locking that in on top of having the flexibility. I think is 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 pretty important. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the little bit of flexibility you might lose there is that it makes it less likely that you'll use the newly created. Evan Fournier trade exception online because you may have next offseason been able to do the same sort of thing where like you target uh, somebody on an expiring contract to a team is trying to clear cap. So if you're doing basically the exact same thing you just did, is the player you would get a year from now better than what you think Josh Richardson is going to be? Probably not, right? Like right. I think when they traded for Richardson in the first place, you're like, oh, that's a pretty good use of that trade exception. Like that's that's fine. And so it might lead to that kind of thing where it's, but even then, you know, could would, could you trade him on to somebody else? Could you make that a multi-part trade? Could you? it's all it all ends up being kind of okay as long as you think that he's a player of about that value and i think he's a player of about that value and so it's you know it's totally fine and then looking around the i guess we can close on that like what's i'm curious to see how they they like start games this year and yet there's clearly a couple of different paths that could go on that front um we had going younger, going with veterans, or obviously going with the much maligned double bigs, um, which I don't know. I have no movie in, but this is a new coach in the Like pretty much a new staff. So um, 
that option is there. I, I don't expect him to go with that option, but I mean, what, or do you think it's going to be more, do you think they're going to have a set plan or do they think that they're going to like throw everyone out there and be like, all right, who makes the most sense um, to, to compliment, you know, smart Tatum and um, I guess Rob and Brown, I feel like, I think Rob, is it safe to say Rob is penciled in as a starting center at this point? Penciled. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's in pen quite yeah. as much as, as, Jalen, Jason, and Marcus. Um, but yeah, you would have to think that they would want him to be the, the starting center at, at the very least. And then it's impossible to know who's going to be the fifth starter um, with, with a coach who doesn't have a track record um, that we can rely on there and with a roster where you could make lots of different choices. I mean, my sort of default has been that I would like for it to be Neesmith, but I think it probably makes more sense for it to be Richardson just because the shooting on the bench isn't great. Yeah. If you're you know, if you're coming in again, we even talked about before, like, is the Schroeder Richardson backcourt going to be going to be functional? And I think those two guys both want the ball a little too much and aren't good off ball shooters, particularly. And it's like, it probably just benefits the team to have Neesmith and Pritchard available to come off the bench in, in some manner. Um, and, but the question, so then you get down to the question for me of like Schroeder Richardson or Horford, I find it hard to believe a new coach isn't going to go with some amount of veteran just sort of deferring at that point. Um, and so then, right. The double bigs, I also don't like, and hope you don't go there and hope that it isn't sort of force fed so that you can make minutes for NS Cantor or something like that. So I just kind of fall back into like, it probably makes the most sense for it to be Josh Richardson. And then you close games with whoever's playing the best and whatever your matchups are. And that's sort of how you get into the matchup stuff that you would like to do. Everybody talks about, you can play matchups. You can do this and that the matchups really matter in the fourth quarter. And you can do that in your closing lineup. Nobody ever really does that with the starting lineup. Cause then you're constantly asking questions about who's answering questions about who's your starter going to be. And players are asking and people complain about not having their roles set and they can't get the routines and blah, blah, all that kind of stuff. So it's easier to just to say like this veteran guy is going to be our fifth starter. And at the end of the game, we'll close with whoever's playing well and whoever the matchup is. And that's, like it's just too difficult to get through the course of a regular season doing anything different than that. So I suspect that's what will be. And, and again, I think the best bet at this point would be Richardson, but there's, you know, four or five guys who are all in the running for, for that last spot and some question of whether or not Rob will be a starter as well, but that one would be, you know, as long as he's healthy, I'd be mildly surprised if he isn't starting on, you know, game one. Yeah. I mean, I think that's more of a, do you like the, playmaking the shooting the defense where where do you go with that that last spot yeah i mean i think with you i think i do think more than anything else like richardson for if they're going to be the emphasis seems to be on defense like more than ever at the way he's talked so far so i think richardson probably gives you the best version of that you know out of all your options um like i do like you know neesmith does make sense for fit but i think i was not him in summer league defensively was like yikes so um, I know it's just a few games there, but I think he, you know, throwing him in the starting five and having, you know, if you want to take any pressure off of Tatum and, and Brown defensively, which they should, I think Richardson's probably your, your choice there. Um, and then, you know, you just have to pray that him and Smart hit enough jumpers to, to keep spacing at a decent level. I mean, if you really want to take the pressure off them defensively, it, it's sort of weird to say this, but it might actually be Hernan Gomez. Um, right. <laughs> because, because he can just take the beating a little bit more like if the if yeah. what you mean by the pressure is like i have to go and defend this guy in the post or i have to defend this sort of physical player then you may look for somebody else now i assume that would be horford who they would actually play there but then right. how do you you know making the, the rest of the rotations work from there or something like that but you get what i mean it's like 
that is ultimately the problem with, again, like they have a lot of guards. And if you don't want Jalen Brown and, and even the newly hulkified uh, Jason Tatum to have to take <laughs> that beating night after night, can you find somebody else in the rotation to eat some of those minutes and just sort of, you know, alleviate some of that, particularly in the, you know, the first three quarters of the game kind of pressure. But uh, the good thing is that they have options, right? They have viable options now, whereas last year it felt often that they didn't have viable options. No. Sometimes even for the starting lineup, let alone guys coming in off the bench. And now you do feel like, hey, not only are these, not only are we saying that we want to see these 12 guys because there's some young players who we think are interesting, we'd like to see play, even though we know they're going to suck. It's like, you can actually look at this and say, hey, this is a viable starting five and a viable rotation with guys that you can make fit together, even if it's not a perfect fit. Um, they don't need to have a perfect fit right now because they're not, first of all, they might not be the same team at the end of the season, but also I don't think anybody really believes they're like challenging for the title this year. So um, it's better than it, kind of back to where we started, right? It's, it's better than it was last year. They made a lot of intelligent moves to get things going in a, in a more positive direction, but the job isn't like done yet. And so they'll have to work some of that stuff out. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of like what, a, like a 2014, 15 off season at this point, just in terms of, just a lot of deals like in season or whatever that just makes sense. Um, but, and you know, aren't leading to anything necessarily yet, but potentially open some doors um, down the line. So again, we'll see, you know, they have to, I think put a couple of those together to really get back on the, on a contending path here, but, um, but a strong start so far. Um, any closing thoughts? Um, you have a goodbye for Carson Edwards. Anything else you want to, to, to wrap up here? I miss all players who were one-time Celtics. So I will always, <laughs> always goodbye for, for all players. If you were on the Celtics, then uh, you have a place in my heart. Um, as long as you didn't do anything too terrible on, to, to get mm. removed from the team. Good disclaimer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I mean, like I said, I, I think the closing is just like, it's a promising off season on a number of ways. Like Brad Stevens, making intelligent, reasonable decisions as a solid operator running the team and ownership looking like they're willing to spend money, even if it isn't the title team. Um, Jason looks like he's had a good off season. Jalen hopefully comes back healthy. And, and then, you know, they, they've got a little bit of time now to figure it out and alleviated some of the pressure that I think had built up um, with expectations where they are. So, uh, you know, it's not, it's not where we wanted the team to be a couple of years ago, but it's, um, it's getting back towards, towards a good direction. And as we've said, I don't know how many times over the last couple of years, if Jason Tatum goes out and looks like an MVP, uh, then you never, you never know exactly where they are. And I think now they certainly feel like a team that could support that type of leap better than they were before. And um, if you're trying to get to the, to the end state of a, a title, then being able to support that potential leap actually is a pretty important thing. And I think they understand that as a franchise and some of the moves that they're making sort of show how they feel about, about Jalen and Jason. And, and they told us that was at the beginning of the off season. They said, that's what, what their focus was going to be. And I think that they've done a decent job in, in living on, you know, living out that promise. There you have it. Uh, fall Ryan at danger cart on Twitter. You can follow us at winning place pod on Twitter. Follow me at Brian T Rob. And uh, yeah, the off season does. So we got like probably two or three more trades before training camp here. We're expecting like, this is it's uh we're at four right now uh crumpled jumper the one of the best nba i don't know if that still is his at on one of the best nba follows makes amazing um sort of infographic stuff as, and as well as another stats he pointed out that it is the nba solstice today 
We are 45 Ooh. days away from the end of the finals and 46 days away from the beginning of next season. So we are right in the middle, which means they are half done with their business and there will be <laughs> more transactions. To go. <laughs> Cannot wait. All right. Well, we'll be standing by for more reaction to those. All right. Now in the second part of this edition of the Winning Plays podcast, we're joined by Suichi Tirada of MassLive.com again to, to get further into the Juancho Hernan Gomez deal, as well as just Celtics offseason in the whole. So stay tuned for that coming up right now. Suichi, let's just start with um, the deal itself. Uh, the Celtics brass demons has been busy this offseason with just a variety of moves. And this is an, another one on the list here. Yeah, I always like to think second rounders in the future are uh, 14, 13, 14 year olds now. So that's always <laughs> yeah. a fun wrinkle to any trade. Um, yeah, another trade, Virat. I mean, we texted about it. Just it, it feels like they always nick and dime us with these smaller trades. It's nothing. I guess there have been a couple bigger trades, like with Kemba when I was on PTO and you had to deal with that. But for the most part, it's just kind of dropped on you and you just go with it. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I think if you looked at the roster and I've been writing, we've been writing about it the past few weeks. It, it really felt like Chris Dunn and Carson Edwards' time with the Boston uh, Duns, especially as short as it was, was, was very limited, um, especially after Summer League and what we saw from Carson Edwards and everything. And and I think we made this note, like when we talked to Brad post-Summer League, so I want to say like mid-August-ish, we were talking about how we like Brad talked about it seemed like every person, every new acquisition, uh, whether it was Summer League or, or even Yam and, and Juhan and all those guys, but he kind of left Chris Dunhoff and, and kind of gave up the vibes that, one, obviously they were shopping him as we know now, but two, it just didn't seem like he was going to be stick around for a long time. So that kind of came to fruition, and uh, here we are talking about another trade. Yeah, I think it's a great point you made about, again, like the, the press conference where Brad had kind of addressed everything, and he mentioned everyone except for Chris Dunn. And now it's kind of just like, oh, okay. Because because Chris Dunn, like, he could have made sense for this roster, but then they signed Dennis Schroeder. So then once that happened, it was like, all right, like, are you going to play him over Pritchard and Lankford? Like, I don't think that yeah. was, you know, that didn't look like that was the plan. Yeah, and it just, especially once you had Josh Richardson, it just felt like you had kind of the same, I, I felt like he was kind of, the same type of player, but also just a little bit worse to the point where it's like you don't really see a path to playing time either. So it's just between all those factors and, and just considering his age and, and considering the other guys' age with Romeo and Payton, you want to see more of what they can do this season. And, and you got a guy like Chris Dunn, who I believe was a $5 million contract, is going to be an expiring. Like, there just wasn't, I, I think, much incentive to be like, hey, let's see what this guy has for the future of the team. It was more like, hey, let's see what we can get for this guy, which uh, wasn't much, but I think Hernan Gomez should be like a solid piece at the end of the day, which is pretty much all you're looking for from a, from a depth, depth perspective at this point in the offseason. Yeah, it really is. And so, I mean, that was kind of an area they just didn't address on the roster throughout the offseason that, you know, backup power forward spot. They had a couple guys there um, and Grant Williams and Jabari Parker that, you know, obviously can be contributors, but each, I think, have fair flaws or weaknesses in, in their games. And, and Hernan Gomez at least has someone who can, you know, fill in some of those gaps from at least the uh, from the three-point shooting standpoint, I think again, and I think he's just like he's ha he has size, like he's six yeah. foot nine, and so mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't think necessarily he plays big. Like he, I think he's a more of a perimeter player than yeah. again I love, but at least he's you know defensively at least like that's at least the, a bigger body you can throw in there at 
you know, whereas Grant Williams is maybe six, four with like his shoes on. So it's like, <laughs> he's a good defender, but he just, you know, doesn't have those that size for it. Like a lot of situations. Yeah. I'm curious to see how, how that backup power forward kind of ends up winning out. Obviously you got a guy like Jabari who, who shows flashes, but at the same time, you know, just, I, I think people were kind of happy with how he played in game one against the Warriors and he faded. And obviously he had that, I think it was game one or two against uh, the Nets in the playoffs. So I, I'm, I'm really curious to see how that like ends up just because Jabari and Hernan Gomez, I feel generally aren't necessarily the same player just because of Jabari's, um, you know, being because of uh, limitations in a lot of ways. So just, <laughs> being just, <laughs> well, you know, he's only been here for uh, however many games. So we'll, we'll see how that ends up. Um, but just, 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 you, you feel good about it. I think if you're a Celtics fan, just because, Hey, it's another depth piece. And this wasn't like, we, we always knew, you know, we, we, we've said this the past few weeks too, for the last month, really, that, whatever the Celtics end up doing after free agency, like it, it wasn't really going to be a big splashy move uh, just, just because of the way the roster was constructed and the way it was set up. So I think, I think they're happy just the fact that you kind of generally came out, came out with a positive asset, like Carson Edwards and Chris Dunn were not moving the needle at all. I don't think Hernan Gomez necessarily does either, but maybe a little bit more on the positive side, which, you know, Hey, why not? You're back down to 15 too. So you got the contract out of the way as well. So it's, it's a, a few positives I think that Celtics fans can be kind of happy about. Yeah. You think like Jabari was doing like fist pumps after this deal today when they got down to <laughs> 15 players with knowing that his, his, his uh, roster spot is, or his contract's still not guaranteed. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess I don't know. I, but at the same time, they also brought in someone who plays his position too. So it's like, okay, well they're down to 15, <laughs> but like, I guess they could yeah, still, you know, he's still going to have to, yeah, I think training camp will be interesting from that standpoint of like, you know, do they do they keep that roster spot open like for the year because they have these TPEs that they might use yeah. um, during the season? So, um, or but obviously, if Jabari plays well, then you know they'll certainly keep him around. You know, because he would be in contention for minutes there. But it'll be an interesting, I think, battle there between all those guys since you know, I don't know how much minutes are available there, but clearly they're not all going to get to play, and they're all going to want to play. Yeah, and I think you, if you're Bruno Fernando, I think you feel better about yourself. But at the same time, like you mentioned, like you're the fourth center on the roster at this point, like barring any changes, like if the Celtics are likely going to move in, if it isn't Jabari and if the Celtics want to move a contract, it's still probably going to be Bruno. You know, I think we saw some good things out of him from summer league play, but at the same time, it's like with those TPs, especially like that's a good point in that, hey, maybe they just want to trade a couple second rounders for another Evan Fournier like player. Uh, at the trade deadline. So another, another interesting thing for sure. It really is. So um, other, I guess we haven't touched on, I mean, there's not too much to touch on with Carson Edwards here, but um, <laughs> I mean, you've, you, you were only on the beat for a brief part of the Carson Edwards. You missed the, the high points of the Carson <laughs> Edwards error uh, during his initial summer league, this past summer league, you know, they gave, he gave it a go, but it, you know, he had his, he had a couple good games there, but it obviously wasn't like flashing or anything like that so that's a situation where where you just saw the roster and it was like it was just a matter of time it seemed like yeah at, at this point i mean you're going into a third year like it's just if you weren't lining up summer league like you were in year one i feel like that's just i mean you know very small sample size but it's just kind of a weird i guess because i i would see tweets and stuff about carson edwards the legend of carson edwards in summer league i think 2019 and stuff and then you, you see kind of an underwhelming performance for the most part in, uh, in 2021. So you're kind of shaking your head a little bit and being like, where, where do you fit on this roster? Especially 
obviously, Ime and Brad seem like they want to prioritize defense, and that's not necessarily Carson's uh, strong suit. So it was just, it, it just felt like the fit and and all the extenuating circumstances with contracts and roster spots. Just it, it, it really seemed like his his days were numbered, and I, they obviously were. So hopefully, he makes it. I mean. I think we talked about it before in that he'll, he'll have a nice career in Europe if that ends up being his path. And uh, that's not necessarily a bad thing either. You can make a lot of money overseas. It's true. And yeah, he's, he's definitely going. So I don't know if Dunn or Edwards will play in Memphis, period, because they have like 200 <laughs> guys in that roster. Um, and yeah. at least Dunn, you know, will get another chance in, you know, somewhere. Like if they wait, yeah. like someone will, someone will pick him up. Carson Edwards, to your point, like, you know, there's, He's, they've given him some chances here. He just hasn't shown it yet. So it's like, yeah. like you said, his, it might be an overseas situation for him. But good dude. Hopefully he gets a chance, you know, somewhere else. Um, but, again, it wasn't after that initial summer. And good for his agent for getting him those guaranteed years after his big <laughs> first performance in Summer League because um, he needed it. Yeah, well, he was fun to watch at Purdue. So right. he, he has That's that right. going was, Exactly. All right, Sweetie. So where... What do we think just in the general roster right now? Do we think it's that they're done? This is it? Or do you think there's still going to be some additional tweaks here as we get I, into I, the season? Or at least in the training hope, camp? Yeah. I, well, I, I think we both agree. We hope they're done in terms of uh, making this much news <laughs> on a <random> Friday. Yes. <laughs> like three, three, four weeks before training camp. We hope they're done. Uh, I think they are just because, I mean, I guess they, you know, like, things can happen like i know they were kind of in on lower market and then at least just like you know at least had some conversations about that reportedly um so maybe something that happens but it just feels like at this point you're just kind of gearing up for training camp and, and seeing where you are in a few in a few months essentially um interestingly enough i was looking at the schedule like december is really tough so i think if they really struggle in december i think it was like 15 games 13 are against like teams that made the playoffs last year and something crazy like that um and a west coast swing so like i think if anything goes there you might reconsider where you are at the trade deadline but at this point it's just kind of like unless you're it, it, it just feels like why would you change i guess the why would you make such a big trade unless it makes sense right now just because it feels like you're building towards something for the future at least just core like you look at the core with rob and marcus and, and the two j's and you look at the contract extensions and everything and it's just you're also kind of limited in, in the sense that you just extended them and, and Obviously, that you can't trade them for. I believe it's until January, so it just feels right. like you your your hands are kind of strapped, and I don't think that's a bad thing. Like I think Brad set out to do set out to have some flexibility for the future, and I think that's what they got. So it just doesn't make. I feel like it doesn't make much sense. I might, you know, who knows? Like as as we've seen this offseason, <laughs> they can just do whatever they want at any time, <laughs> like eight p.m. Monday, maybe like eight p.m. Monday Labor Day. It's just kind of like some some craziness happens. Like who knows? But for the most part, I think uh, they're they're looking pretty good to stand pat for at least the foreseeable future. Right. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, again, this last move was a situation where now you just look at depth chart. It just like makes sense. Like they have pretty much their parts covered. Any spot can they make upgrades? Absolutely, but is is there any realistic options right now in the the free agent market? No. And then, like you said, you 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 signed all these guys to extensions, so you can't really trade anyone that you anyway that would have any decent value uh, that you'd be potentially interested in moving at this point. So they, they still do have that two way spot. So I'm curious to see where they go with that. You know, yeah. we've port you know 
goodbye Tago Fall. It was a nice run. Nice <laughs> to see him land in Cleveland. But I'm curious to go like what position they do with that spot. Because I mean, the Celtics haven't gotten much out of that spot in the last couple of years. But if you look around the league, like there's a lot of you can get pretty useful players there that again you can sign to that can earn NBA contracts now. And now that the NBA is kind of you know change the rules of two-way deals where guys can be up more of the year like you wonder how much of an impact a guy can make there if it's just someone who can you know as an experienced college player that knows how to help right like kind of like hauser did like you wrote about you know someone who could shoot the three but also can can help in other ways too yeah i didn't realize two-way contracts actually made quite a bit of money oh i knew that but i was like what well, actually seeing yeah it's like gone up i was like okay right. <laughs> that is not bad i was like no. all right okay yeah i, I taco and uh Tremont was uh they were doing pretty good out there for the last couple of years um yeah i i think they might look maybe i don't know i think they might look at guard just because i mean uh, we obviously saw yamadar got essentially offered the second two-way spot, so they might go, be going that. I mean, Brad did yeah. mention at the press conference a few weeks ago that they might just wait it out, like, after cuts during training camp and stuff. And you right. look at a you look at a team like Memphis, and they have, like, 25 people or something crazy. Like, maybe these teams are waving and cutting a lot of people who the Celtics are interested in. So I think that's probably the realistic path, unless they're, you know, maybe they're working out a few guys or just looking at a few guys right now. But for the most part, I think you kind of hope for you know something something pretty good i know the pistons or someone had like saban lee who was pretty good and and he ended up kind of panning out in the sense that he was you know former second rounder uh played at vanderbilt like neesmith and stuff so you you, you kind of hope for that but at the same time you know I, I just think it'll be difficult it's it's i feel like the Celtics are so deep like the expectations aren't very high for for obvious reasons but this but they're so deep so it's, it's a little harder maybe for a two-way contract guy to, to make their mark compared to maybe even last year where COVID and injuries pretty much decimated the team so it's uh it's an interesting spot to be though yeah that's a good point there is like they are because you're gonna not have to almost every spot on the roster now there's a there's not a big hole there anymore like last yeah. year there were there's opportunity everywhere, like you said, of COVID. And that, I mean, that could happen again if there is another, you know, obviously we're seeing teams around different sports right now have, have pretty significant COVID outbreaks, even when they're vaccinated, which is, you know, unfortunate to see. So, but you're like, death matters now, but they're just, they're better set up this year. So yeah. whoever that guy is, you know, they're probably going to be spending more time in Maine than they will be with the big club. But um, again, any given week, you know, a couple guys go down, for with COVID or whatever, like that could become a relevant person in a hurry. The main Celtics. Main Celtics. So good. <laughs> I know. I'm, oh man, I didn't even think about that. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna make that mistake. <laughs> I might just still call him Red Claws for just until. That's just so perfect. Yeah, I just, when I saw the rebrand, I was like, I was. I I think I had lived here for like two months, and I was even. I was like, that doesn't really make sense. <laughs> probably like. I, th I think they'll probably like move it within the next few years. That might be why, but still disappointing. For the, right. Uh, it probably makes sense fans. for like Jersey, like sales and stuff like that too. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's easier. Yeah. yeah. You get a main, main Celtics Jersey might sell a little bit more than a main Red Claw <laughs> Jersey, but who knows? But maybe though that's become a collector item now. Um, <laughs> and now, so that's the, we're, we're, I can't believe we're only three weeks away from training camp. So it's, it's kind of the, the scary part here for, for us at least, but it'll be an intriguing, <laughs> I mean, what, what else are you going to look for in training camp? So we already talked about like the power forward, you know, men's battle there, but what else, what, what, what's another intriguing supply you'll be looking for here as we kind of ramp up here? 
Yeah, I'm kind of curious to see what guard looks like, just because we we know Marcus and and Jalen. I guess Jalen's more of a wing, but I'm I'm just wondering, like, will Josh Richardson start? Will Dennis Schroeder start? Like, what happens with Peyton? Like, I feel like there's a lot of kind of smaller things. Like, it's not going to make or break the team necessarily. Like, I I think you know, regardless of if Josh Richardson or Dennis Schroeder or somebody else starts, like, you're still going to get you know, like Brad said, like they have seven guys who can starting and finish games and I think obviously that matters a lot in the NBA and everything I'm, but I'm curious just to see how those minutes shake out especially because they're kind of similar archetype of players um, Dennis obviously gets a lot of playmaking which I'm kind of curious to see how that works It's it, it, I keep writing this in articles but Shooter actually averaged 0.1 assists per game more than Marcus Martha last season I was like yeah. oh okay that's kind of a you know I think that's kind of a low-key good thing just because obviously they struggle with that a lot and emails talk a lot about team basketball, but I'm curious to see what they do with Peyton Pritchard just because maybe he can play around with a defensive lineup, but he can kind of be kind of a scoring guard off the bench who can give you quick points like summer league maybe. Like he's not afraid to shoot it, so, you know, let's <laughs> pretty much see how it goes. And I'm curious to see how Romeo, like what, what they do with Romeo just because I felt like in summer league they talked a lot about putting the ball in his hands more and that's kind of a tough ask with, the actual NBA club, but maybe they'll give him some chance to to be kind of a playmaking or at least a playmaker and in, in, in giving him the ball a little bit more. Um, so I, I, I'm kind of curious. I mean, it's deep now, especially compared to a few weeks ago. Uh, I mean, we were a summer league when Schroeder got signed, and, and that kind of sent a few ripples through the team. So I think the guard rotation should be should be fun to watch, especially with uh, I think Marcus uh, is always is always just fun to watch with uh, how chaotic he plays. So that that definitely helps things. <laughs> yeah, I. I think it's a really interesting point about Schroeder and also with Romeo too, because they're like, yeah, put the ball in his hands more. But then there's a lot of guys in this roster that will probably want the ball in their hands, like yeah. both fast distributors and mm-hmm. playmakers. So, you know, where exactly Romeo fits into that bunch will be interesting to watch. And especially since I think even with all the young guys, there's probably not going to be enough minutes for everyone off the bench yeah. here with, um, with the additions they've made, but we will have plenty of time to break it down. Um, again, Follow Suichi Tirada on Twitter and check his stuff out at Mass Live. Appreciate you coming on for the emergency trade pod here. And uh, <laughs> enjoy, hopefully, the last couple weeks of what should be a quiet offseason, sir. Yeah, you too. Hopefully, it is. Uh, hopefully, it didn't jinx it there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll stay ahead of that. But yep. And yep, check us out at Winning Plays Pod on Twitter. And again, check out our new sponsor, betus.com. And we will talk to you guys next week.